on on what what my style was because I think in in photography as well as other fields, but I think particularly in photography, it's very easy to jump on the on the kind of the trend wagon, like just kind of just be photographing what is currently selling well, like and what brands want. That was the incredible Gabby Mulder, and this is episode six of Into Intentional. Welcome to Into Intentional. My name is Christy, or better known as Sedona Christina in the YouTube internet land. I'm a wellness enthusiast, sustainable and ethical living advocate, entrepreneur, and believer in the power of doing. During my own wild journey towards a place of self-love and intentional living, I found magic in the voices of others to power me through. Into Intentional is a space where we do just that. We peek into the minds of inspiring humans passionate about intentional living, be it mindfulness, wellness, fitness, nutrition, sustainability, entrepreneurship, or self-care. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here with me today and spending time with me. Now, let's jump in to the show. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. This week I have Gabby Mulder on the podcast who is my absolute favorite photographer in the entire world. I've been a big fan of her work for a few years now and she just somehow, we chat about it a little bit in the podcast, but she somehow manages to capture the light and capture just positive energy in such a wonderful way. And I just love everything she does. So I had to try and get her on the podcast. Of course, she lives in Australia. So we did it via phone call and I actually recorded this episode before I had done any other episodes. So even before episode number one that I had done with Monica, um, yeah, we did it via phone. And to be completely honest, I was very unprepared and uh, we had a few technical difficulties. So the audio was a little shaky. So that's why it kind of took me a little while to get it out because I kind of had to like jerry rig a setup just if you want all the behind the scenes action I literally instead of you know you would hook up a phone call so that it directly records the audio but I couldn't get that to go so I had a microphone sitting in front of my phone and on top of that I still didn't know how to use my recording device so the audio was all wonky and out of place so it took me a few weeks to kind of play with it and toy with it to get it to the point where it was like you could hear it. It was audible. (laughs) Um, so I'm sorry that it's still not perfect, but she's such a sparkling and wonderful human that I really wanted to put this episode out. So this is what we got and we're just going to go with it. Forewarning though, um, if you remember from episode one, I again didn't know how to work the recorder. So things kind of recorded all in one ear as opposed to in two ears, if that makes sense. So if you're listening to this with headphones or in a car, just be warned that, uh, I think it's the left headphone. I'm not really sure which one it was, but one of the sides, there will be more audio coming from there. So you're going to want to, I would kind of recommend not listening in a car, but test it out for yourself and see if it, if it works out, it might just be a little bit echoey. Um, and if you have headphones, definitely having two functioning earbuds is a plus. Um, But yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. She's the most amazing photographer and we chat about all things like creative industry, how she found photography, uh, just what's going on in 
the creative industry in general right now with social media and finding your place and earning an income and how she kind of picked up photography and made it into this wonderful, fantastic career um, ever since she was 18, which is pretty wild. Um, Oh, two last disclaimers. I just remembered. I feel like the beginning of every single episode, I'm like, here's a list of reasons why this episode sucks. No, (laughs) Um, doesn't suck. They're awesome. I love myself. I love the work I create. Anyways, but uh, yeah, still learning the ropes though. Two other things is that halfway through, you will notice there's a weird humming noise. You're not hearing things. Uh, I was recording in my room and my room happens to be above the garage of the house that I live in and somebody was opening it. So yeah, when garage doors open, they make weird noises. Um, And then the second thing is that just like in episode one, um, I thought originally that this podcast was going to be called Wildly Infinite, but I changed it to Into Intentional. So somewhere along the way, the name changed. So when you hear me mentioning that, that's why. Uh, yeah, we're just rolling with it. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoy this episode and I love you all. And yeah, enjoy. Like it's, I live in Seattle, so it's, well, I live in Seattle, so it's, um, we're known for being very rainy and very, very gloomy, although we're, we're coming into summer here though, so we're kind of the opposite of you guys. True. Okay. Well, that's good. Hopefully the sun comes out. Yeah, hopefully. (laughs) But, um, so (laughs) I guess we'll just jump in, uh, a little bit and we can start with kind of where you're from and 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 where you come from exactly and I guess give a little bit of a spiel or a background information of who what you do and all that kind of stuff yeah perfect awesome well um my name's Gabby Mulder and I am from the east coast of Australia I'm from a little beach town called Byron Bay and a lot of people would know Byron Bay it's like a very popular touristy place it's like gorgeous beaches and waterfalls and yeah, super beautiful. So that's where I grew up. Um, but when I was first born, I actually lived in Fiji. So that's where my family was living when I yeah when I first wow. was born. And then when I was, yeah, which was really amazing. So when I was about six days old, we flew from Australia to Fiji. And um, yeah, very, very exciting and like a nice way to be brought up. Yeah. And um, then I was still pretty young when we moved back to Australia. And then I've lived here ever since. I spend about six months a year overseas working. Um, so I'm a photographer, and yeah, that's pretty much. I've been right now. I'm like back in Byron Bay. So oh, yeah, incredible. That's me. I I must say, so I studied abroad in Australia for a few months, and I was living in Melbourne. But I got to travel around a little bit, and I got to go up to Byron Bay for mm-hmm. a weekend, and I fell in love with it. It's just so. Oh yeah, I'm glad you liked it. Oh, it was amazing. It's so like exactly what you would picture like the cutest little Australian town that sounds so cheesy but that's exactly how I would explain it (laughs) yeah no completely yeah it's beautiful what would you say it was like growing up in Byron like how how did even like elementary because to me so I grew up in Canada so I grew up literally in the snow the complete opposite of that um (laughs) how did you find like I don't know, I guess, 
even starting with elementary school and, and just being a kid in Byron Bay, what was that like? It was amazing. I um, I grew up on like a big property that is along the beach. So um, we had like, I'm, I'm one of five kids as well. So we had like four older brothers. So we had oh, lots wow. of motorbikes and horses and it was a very like earthy upbringing. Um, and so, yeah, it was absolutely beautiful growing up here because you were just always outside. Like I don't ever remember having like feet that weren't dirty or like messy hair or any of that you were always just like out in the sun out in the dirt or on the beach and um yeah it was amazing and I definitely like I think I loved growing up that way so much that I definitely want that for my kids like as much as I love being in the cities and and experiencing all that they have to offer I think there's nothing better than like as a child being able to grow up around yeah waterfalls and at the beach and in the in the sunshine I think that's just so amazing and I think as well it really it really shaped me and, and my photography as well I don't think I would be a photographer if I didn't grow up in such a beautiful place because I think um from a very young age I was just always surrounded by such beautiful places and beautiful people that of course I just wanted to capture that whereas I wonder if maybe I'd grown up in in Melbourne or somewhere that's just a bit a bit less naturally beautiful like whether I would be doing the same thing right um right. So yeah, it was like, it was the best, it was the best growing up. Yeah, it was amazing. Oh, it sounds like a, a dreamland to me. Um, yeah, it was a bit. Yeah. Um, and so when was the first time that you ever picked up a camera? Like, when did you start playing with that and realize that that was something that would be interesting to you? Yeah, I actually, um, it was actually pretty recently, like only a few years ago, that I was about to graduate my final year of high school. So I was 17. And for many, many years before that, I'd been absolutely obsessed with magazines. I like, I had a little part-time job and I would spend all of my money on magazines. And um, and I remember looking through these magazines and just, and just loving, loving the shoots so much. And then, but I kind of started to notice as I got older, that the things I was seeing in these magazines, they were just, they were always shot in a studio and the girl always had so much makeup on and they were kind of very fake in, in many ways. And so I was thinking like, you know, I have all these beautiful places around me that I would love to capture and the kind of content that I wanted to see in magazines, I just wanted to see more real stuff. So I kind of had a whole bunch of ideas and so I was like, why not, like I just start sort of playing around with these ideas um, with no intention of leading anywhere really. Um, so I, and I didn't really want to tell anyone either. I kind of wanted to keep it a bit of a secret just because I think when you're young and you are trying something new and you don't know whether it will work, I think I was just sort of apprehensive of telling anyone. So I, um, messaged a girl who I had on Facebook and she lived in the same area, but we'd never met before. And I knew she might be interested in modeling. So I messaged her and I was like, Hey, um, I just started up photography. I want to know if you'd like love to do a shoot together. And, um, and she got back to me and was like, absolutely, I'd love that. And so a few days later, we met up and um, did the shoot. And it went really, really well. And then, so that was sort of just before I graduated high school. And then once I graduated, I just got lots of requests from other girls around the area to, to like, do a shoot together. And so I started doing that. And then um, eventually, kind of throughout that following year, I started having, like, magazines and brands contact me and then it kind of be it became more of a business but um it always kind of took me by surprise because it definitely was just a hobby thing like in my mind I was still going to university 
um, the following year. So that was always my sort of career plan. And then photography was literally just like a fun thing on the side. Um, but then eventually it just became my full-time thing. And now that's what I do full-time. So, yeah, that's kind of the story of how it happened. Oh, that's wild. Did you... Um... So did you go to university or you just sort of picked this up and it kind of took off? Like you didn't feel the need to go to university? Um, I, I, actually, I actually did start uni. Yeah, so I had like a gap year, um, which is what a lot of Australian kids do after, after school. Um, and yeah, so I started uni the following year and then I did one semester and I hated it so much. <laughs> and um, I just knew it wasn't for me. And I, at the same time, I was still doing photography work and I was having to turn down photography jobs because I was so stressed out with university. And um, at university, I was studying international business. So uh, okay. pretty like different to my, Very yeah, different. pretty different to my like creative sort of mind. Right. Um, and so, yeah, so I did a semester and then I was, I was like, nah, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to take some time off. And so I did that. And, and I was kind of like, I'm just going to see what happens with photography. Cause I knew if I put too much pressure on myself to make lots of money with it or to succeed, you know, beyond my wildest dreams, I would kind of lose the love for it. So I went into it quite like gently and was just like, I'm just going to dabble in it and just see how I go. And then, yeah, it's just like, it's been about two, uh, three and a half years since then. Um, and yeah, I'm still doing it now. So, and I, and I definitely see myself still doing it in the future. So yeah, I, I feel of, like that's, that's kind of how that works. Right. I feel like it's definitely one of those, you know, you got to trust your instincts and realize this is what I love doing and why shouldn't I be making a living mm. doing that, you know? Exactly. And I remember this particular um, weekend that really like, confirmed to me that I needed to leave uni and on the Saturday I had had a photo shoot and I had the most wonderful time I we had a great team we were shooting for a great brand I just remember feeling so happy and just so on top of the world and then on the Monday so like two days later I was on a train home from university and I remember just feeling so sad and just like this was, I was actually living in Melbourne at this point um and just looking on the train and everyone was just, no one was smiling. Everyone, half the people were asleep. Like it was just, it's, yeah, I don't know. It just wasn't for me. And then I was kind of like, how is this such a different feeling to what I felt on Saturday? And right. I was just kind of like, why am I putting myself through this? There's no, there's no reason to be doing this. So um, that was kind of the point that I decided, no, like, yeah, I'm going to take a step back from it. And would you say, so you are obviously already had, you know, you were doing jobs while you were in university. How did, so I guess if we take a step back a little bit, when you first started playing with it, playing with photography, and after you had that initial shoot with your friend, how did other girls start to mm -hmm. hear about, like, start to see your work? Was it through Instagram, or was Instagram not a thing at that point yet, or? Um, it was, Instagram had kind of, Instagram was a thing, but it wasn't as much of a thing as it is now. So I actually, um, I put up a photo album on Facebook <laughs> of uh, the shoot. Another good and, old days. Um, <laughs> and then because, yeah, I know, literally so long ago. Um, and then because the other girl was tagged in it, so it came up on all these different people's feeds, basically. And then from that, I started getting lots of Facebook messages of people um, wanting to shoot together. So, yeah, yeah, that's nice. how that worked. And how did you start, um, I guess, so you were building on that and then you ended up working with brands and, and how did that come about? 
how did you decide, like, I'll take this from yeah. doing stuff with my friends to, you know, I'll create something for... Make a, some money from it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, well, I was pretty lucky in that um, brands were approaching me, so I didn't have to sort of make the decision to, to start uh, charging money. Gotcha. Um so that was that was like very very lucky because I was only I would have been eight I was eighteen then so um so yeah I started making money that way but even at that time like I had no idea what to charge like I had no idea how much photographers made or what to do so I was I was really just like rolling with it and just trying to understand what was happening and um but yeah I feel like once you start working with brands people just assume that you're a professional, like, as soon as you start getting paid for it. So I think then a lot of other brands just sort of saw I was working with this other brand. And I think as well, when you're from a small town, everyone kind of gets to know you pretty quickly. Like, it's not like, you know, if I was living in New York and you were trying to make it as a photographer, I think that would be so much harder. But in a little Aussie town, it was quite easy to um, for brands to notice me and to work together. So, um, yeah, I think I was a lot of luck was involved with with how smoothly um, I was able to turn into turn it into a business. Nice. Yeah. Um, one of the things you just said was you weren't sure how much to charge, and I feel like that's a, such a common thing for any sort of creative these days. And it's really it 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 blows my mind that there isn't any sort of guidance for that or any sort of I don't know like even when it comes to to people posting things on Instagram and getting paid for it or YouTube videos or whatever it's it's so hard and I just absolutely yeah and it's intimidating as well because you're like I don't want to be I don't want to be this ungrateful person asking for too much or you know it's 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 hard for sure but then, like, you also don't want to undersell yourself. So, yeah, exactly. Um, and I think as well, it, it jumps from, you know, like, even with, say, like, social media, you know, it can jump from getting paid $30 to post something up to $5,000 to post something. So right. just the, there's this huge gap. I feel like there's not, like, a bit of a middle ground that everyone kind of understands what the average sort of price of things is. Yeah, I feel like you're either very cheap or you're very expensive. Um, and also everyone's just so hush hush about what they charge. Um, like I have known of people who have like models and things who have gone, who have made like fake email addresses and emailed places just, or like emailed other models to see what they charge just to get an idea because no one, no one speaks about it. Wow. That's Um, wild. And yeah, it's really, it's really strange how everyone's so secretive with it because I don't feel like any other industry, they're as secretive. Right. It's interesting because I feel like we have this societal like pressure of money and this weird stigma around it. But especially, you know, at least in America, there's all these um, currently there's a a lot of cases of um, uh, like different. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, Like equality in pay coming up. And Mm. it, it is just it's one of those things that's so hush hush. But we have this weird stigma around it when it's just a number and it's just something that's in our bank account you know and it doesn't it doesn't really affect who we are as a person it doesn't really affect what we're doing and our quality I mean I guess I suppose it does affect our quality of work to some degree but it's just it's interesting that there is such this I don't know this this we're we're terrified to talk about something when it's just a number 
Yeah, that makes absolutely, sense. <laughs> absolutely. I I do remember the um I was chatting to my dad and I was I think I was about nineteen and I was asking him, I was like, I have no idea what to charge these brands, like these big brands. Like I was shooting for top shop at the time. And I had no idea what to charge them and I was like, Hey, they can afford anything but like I don't want to you know, I'm so young, I don't wanna sort of be charging something ridiculous and I remember my dad said something that's always stayed with me and he was like, It's it's kind of the human condition to value things higher when they're more expensive. And so if you charge yourself at a rate of an amateur, you're going to forever be seen as an amateur in that in that field. Um, whereas if you charge yourself as a professional, people and clients and brands will instantly see you as a professional. Um, of course, your like, quality of work comes into it. But, um, but yeah, the, what you charge really does impact people's perception of how good you are. Which for is so sure. warped and really quite terrible, but but it's true. For sure. And I think too, as as women, we're less inclined to ask what we're worth. You know, we're 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 yeah. less inclined we're more inclined to be polite and to say, Oh, you know, it's fine and and just sit there and kind of let things play out, whereas a, a lot of men seem to have I don't know. I don't want to use the term the balls, but they, they, they kind of have the balls to ask for more and women just kind of like let it go. <laughs> totally. Because women want to keep people happy all the time. So they want the client to be happy. And yeah, it's all about pleasing other people. Yeah. Completely. Right. It's totally up to us to, to step up. <laughs> um, yeah. And like demand what we're worth. Yeah, exactly. So I guess to kind of like take a step back, because we kind of just went off a little bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> just a little bit. Um, what would you Just a tad, sorry. <laughs> um, but it's important, I think, as women especially, to talk about this and as creatives, because it is such a new industry, and it hopefully there'll be more guidelines to figure this all out. But for right now, it's kind of still up in the air, and I think it's it's nice for other creatives to know that they're not alone in figuring this out, and we should open open the dialogue to being able to talk to each other about it and, you know, kind of create and establish some sort of industry here, like more established industry. Yeah. That makes um, sense. Absolutely. And like, I want to be able to give the advice to young creators that I really needed when I was a real, I mean, I'm only 26, so I'm still very young, but like when I need to give advice to 18 year olds who need the advice that I needed when I was 18. So, um, yeah, I feel like everyone just needs to be more open. Definitely. For sure. Um, okay. So, so take a step back to, to your journey. Um, (laughs) so you've been able to travel and that's, that's, I think that's how I found your art because I, you're honestly my favorite photographer of all time. There's just something about how Aww. you capture the light is just magic, absolute pure Aww, magic. And I like words can't even describe it. <laughs> um, and oh, that makes me so happy. Thank you. <laughs> what would you say is your favorite, both scenery but also your favorite country or place that you've ever been able to shoot in thus far? Ooh, uh, I think my favorite country is New Zealand. Um, New Zealand is just incredible. It is just like, you know, it's all just like snow-capped mountains and beautiful blue lakes and forests and like an amazing coastline. So I think because of its natural beauty, I find it so inspiring to shoot in. Um, So that would be my number one country. Then I think like my number one city, I really... I really 
love shooting in New York. I love shooting on like rooftops and in the streets. And um, I think anywhere with good lights. Like if I don't, if I don't have good light in a place, I really struggle to shoot. Like um, I love when I I've shot a few times in Paris, and that's great. But Paris can often be quite gloomy, and mm. um, if there's no sun, I I just find my inspiration kind of goes. So, um, so yeah, anywhere, anywhere with like when the sun's out and when the light can kind of like play off things. So I love, I love New Zealand because the light will reflect off the snow on the mountains and I love shooting on the coast because the light plays with the ocean and the waves and, um, yeah, so I think really anywhere with good light, I'm like all about shooting in. Right. Did you, were you always fascinated by capturing light? Like, was that always, I guess, your... I don't know, the thing that your mute, not muse, I feel like muse is a, is not the word I'm looking for, <laughs> yeah. but kind of in a sense, because honestly, when I look at your work, all yeah. I see is humans or, or culture, or whatever it is, like this beautiful world, kind of everything is tied together by the light and everything is dancing in the light. And I don't know, like, I, I think that's like the common thing that sort of threads together your photos is the way that you capture light, or at least in my opinion, which I'm definitely not an art critic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would agree with you. Yeah, because because yeah, light is hugely important in my work. Um, I yeah, I would I would say light is like my muse because as well like if I just see beautiful light coming through a window, I instantly want to I instantly want to photograph it. And if I see you know a friend if we're at a cafe and the light is like hitting her face in a particular way, I instantly get inspired. Um, so I think light is definitely, yeah, a huge contributor to my inspiration. And I think as well, I think growing up in Australia, it's just like a, such a sunny country. Um, it's just, it's such a big part of who I am, like being in the sun. And also as well, it was interesting, um, kind of like a bit of a side story, but when I moved to Melbourne to go to university, um, I really lost all my inspiration and I couldn't understand why. And I was chatting to a friend and she's like, you know, how's Melbourne going? And and I said, you know, it's funny. I said, time feels really different here, and I can't understand why. I said, like, a day doesn't feel like a full day. And I couldn't I couldn't understand why I felt this way. And then I, the more I kind of thought about it, I realized it's because I was never looking at the sky, because in a big city, there's just all these buildings, so you never see the sky. And I was used to growing up on the beach where there's just this, this empty horizon. And so you're constantly watching the day change as the sun goes. Um, so you're keeping that track of time all the time. Um, so yeah, I realized at that point, I was like, wow, light and the way the sun is at different times of the day hugely impacts me. Um, yeah, more than I realized it did. I don't think I've ever related to a statement more because since moving to Seattle, it's kind of, it's the same thing for me, but on the West coast of the States right now, cause it's, it's so different. It's so different. It's crazy how much the sun really does affect everything. Yeah, everything. It's crazy, yeah. Um, so going along with that, with how, how I guess, so it started through you being able to capture light and everything, but how long did it take you as an artist to kind of figure out your unique style? Because every every artist has a unique style, and that's what makes them them. How, how long did it take you to kind of figure yours out? I feel like it, it must have been a lot of, you know, playing with it and everything. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think as well, I, I think I was always, even though I never really picked up a camera until I was, you know, later in my teens, I think I was always, um, 
I was always into art and I was always into cinema and, and so I think over over probably like sort of the span of from age sort of twelve onwards, I was forming my style. I was I did lots of creative subjects at school, so I was constantly being kind of forced to form my taste. And so I think um, subconsciously I was um, yeah, I was always filming what I what I liked. And then when I picked up the camera, I think it probably took me probably a good year to really kind of hone down on what what my style was. Because I think in in photography as well as other fields, but I think particularly in photography, it's very easy to jump on the on the kind of the trend wagon, like just kind of just be photographing what is currently selling well, like and what brands want. Um, so I remember for a period of time, everyone kind of wanted that very grungy look um, with like the brick walls and all that kind of thing, um, which really wasn't me. But I, but I still went down that path because it because it was what brands wanted at the time. Um, but then I think, yeah, I think after about a year to two years, I was kind of like, no, I know what my style is. Um, and I and I know what I'm good at, and I know what I'm not good at. Like there are photographers that are much better at the things I'm not good at. So I think yeah, after about two years, I was kind of like, no, I know I know my style now. But I think as well, it is constantly changing, and where I am really influences my style as well. Like I always go to New York for a few months every year, and when I'm in New York, my style is quite different to my style when I'm in Byron Bay. Um, but I think. Or in all my all yeah, sorry in all of my work, um, the thread of like good light is probably the one thing that remains. Right. Yeah, if that makes sense. What would you say your biggest advice is to any creative trying to find their own unique uniqueness? Mm, I would say to whether you're a photographer or a or an, or a painter or whatever it is, but just do that thing as much as you can in as many different environments as you can. So for a photographer, shoot in every city you go to, every town, shoot with different people, and you'll see, the more you shoot, you'll see this common thread of the things you're drawn to and um, and photos that make you the happiest. So, yeah, I think just doing, like, doing the most of the thing you love, um, that, that's how you'll figure out your style because you may think you really like something, um, but then the more you photograph that thing, you think, actually, no, that's not, that's not what, that's not what my style is, even though I thought it was. Um, so yeah, just, just do the thing you love a lot, a nice. lot, a lot. Nice. Um, so I guess kind of, do you think that if you weren't doing photography, what else would you be doing? Or do you think that you would ever want to do anything else? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think I would, I would still want to do something creative, and I would still want to do something where I'm working with people. So I think if it was to go into very like practical job, I think it would be like project management or something for like events, because I feel like then I'm still getting to have that creative kind of vibe, and then working with other creative people. Um, yeah, so I think I would do like project management. But, but actually, now that I'm thinking about me actually doing that, I definitely don't want to do it. <laughs> so I think no, nah, I think photography is my thing. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think that. Like, I totally like just by looking at your photos, I'm like, there's no way that 
you would ever need to do anything else. Like, you're just so, so incredible at it. <laughs> oh, oh, you're so nice. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I'm just looking at a few of the questions that I have here that I jotted down in my notes before, before we jumped on the call. Um, what do you think that, what would you say your biggest decision that you've had to make as an entrepreneur thus far has been? I think the biggest decision is choosing where I live because um, I think as a young person, we're so often told to go to the cities and we'll, that's where that's where you have to make it big. You have to make it big. And in Australia, it's like, you know, it's always Sydney or Melbourne. Um, and so I did that. I moved to Melbourne and um, started on that kind of like rat race of, of doing that. Um, yeah, but I think sort of, that choice I had to make of being like, okay, no, I need to push out all these ideas of what I've told, I've been told I should do or where I should live in order to succeed and really be like, no, actually, where do I feel the most inspired? Where am I the most happy? Um, and then choosing to, yeah, just leave behind all those doubts about myself and move to a place where I do feel my best. Um, so yeah, I think choosing choosing where I live is has been the most important thing I've chosen. I've, I've made the decision to do. Yeah, it kind of again goes with the whole theme of like trusting who you are and doing your own thing instead of following what, or at least the way that you think it should be laid out. Just just trusting, allowing yourself to come through in every situation that you're in. I guess. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you put it perfectly. That's absolutely right. Yeah. And what would you say, what would you say your biggest advice, or just saying the word biggest advice sounds like uh, very daunting, but what would a, a really good piece of advice that you would give um, somebody who's interested in following a creative career path in general? I think, yeah, my biggest advice is to never start it in order to make money, because I think as, as soon as you start putting pressure on your art to support you and to make you money, you're you're gonna lose um, you're gonna lose the love of it. And I've definitely come into that a few times. Um, like I've hit that, um, and I really have to step back and be like, wait, no, I, I I create my art. I take my photos because I love doing it, not because I expect it to make me any money. So I think, yeah, I think for anyone wanting to pursue anything creative, um, if you're good, you you will you will make money from it. Like, that's a given. There are always brands and always people who need your creative eye and skill. But I think, yeah, never go into it thinking, I want to make this amount of money and my art better deliver. Otherwise, I'm going to be mad or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, you know, give it up because um, it didn't give me what I wanted. So always go in it for the love of it. And even if you have to have a little part-time job on the side to support yourself, like, that's fine because you're still getting to do that thing that you love. Um, yeah, but just don't put the pressure, don't put the pressure on the art to support you. That right. would be my number one piece of advice. Right. I can relate to that so much. I fell into the trap for a while of, you know, thinking that just because things weren't working the way that I thought they were and, you know, you, you, you totally fall out of just like your creative energy to some extent as well. Yeah, you know? completely, completely. Um, so I guess... Going back to who you were and when you started out on this whole path, do you have any advice, even in general, maybe not even career related, but just 
any sort of advice to your younger self that you would give yourself knowing what you know now and and knowing how far you've come and how far you've developed as an artist and the things you've learned and the places you've been and all of that what would you what would you tell yourself if you could go back in time oh I would say I would say continue being a really good person because every every amazing job I've had or every actually just most jobs in general you like especially in the creative world um people want to work with people they like so even if you are the most talented at whatever you may be doing even if it's not creative if you're not a really lovely person to work with um I you know in my opinion you won't get that far um and I think my life has become like so wonderful and exactly what I wanted it to be because I've first and foremost above everything else I've treated like I've had kindness and being a good person um at the forefront of my mind and everything that I do so I feel like that is the reason that um that I've that I've been very lucky um yes I think to my younger self I would just say like continue continue being really kind and really supportive of others because I think in high school as well you're kind of trained out of believing that kindness and um helping people um helping people with whatever they need help with you you know you're kind of taught that's not important because everything becomes about the self um so I think to kind of like yeah remind yourself no being a good person is is the most important thing so especially, that's what I would say to my younger self especially in relation to like I feel like in school you know you're taught that grades are the only thing that matter and then in career you're taught that the only thing that matters is your results and your your work but it's so yeah. true like people do want to be surrounded by good people and it's just life at the end of the day you know we don't have to put that that crazy pressure on ourselves to be anything other than just like a kind person and do what we can we don't have to be this I don't know, overachiever, angry human. <laughs> Not that overachievers yeah, are angry exactly. humans. But, <laughs> but also, I think I think enjoyment is so important. You need to enjoy your work. And if you're surrounded by not very nice people, how are you going to enjoy it? So For even sure. a job that you thought you would love, you know, you'll end up hating because your boss is horrible or whatever. So I think always to be that kind person, um, you'll get so far just, just on that. Yeah, for sure. I also I, I have this like weird superstition that I feel like the universe almost like rewards people for being nice to some degree. You know, if if you're nice, your chances are you're going to be interacting with more people. You're going to be presented more opportunities. You're going to be just interacting and networking and doing all of that as well, you know. Completely. Yeah, you're so correct with that. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, OK, and then back to, I guess like the advice kind of question um since like we're obviously all I think and now it's a a very trendy thing to be talking about and I'm so glad that we're talking about self-care and self-love and all that stuff because it's something that really definitely wasn't talked about in the generation above us what would you say is the biggest advice that you would give anybody and on their own self-love self-care journey That's a big question. I mean, it's such a personal thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I think it's such a personal um, thing that we all will go through. But I, but speaking from my own experience, what really helped me 
was actually just like stepping out of myself for a second and like because I think we just get so consumed in our own minds and we think that everything we think is reality and everything is truth whereas I got to a point where I remember I I was just kind of like I just need to step out of myself for a second and and look at the bigger picture and I remember there's always that quote thrown around that's like be the change you wish to see in the world and I was thinking about that and I was like okay do I want young girls to grow up in a culture where they think they have to be like so malnourished and not eat in order to be beautiful like do I think that girls should feel the pressure to get like you know work done like have their lips plumped in order to be attractive like there were all these things that I was questioning and I was like absolutely not like I do not want you know girls to grow up in that kind of world so because I'm a part of the world I also need to be a part of of changing it and so um so I kind of questioned myself and I was like, okay, so if I, if I want the world to change in this way, I need to actually act in that way. So I think that was a big turning point for me. And I was like, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to buy into this whole idea of what a woman needs to be. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think my advice for self-love is just to look at the bigger picture and kind of like, yeah, just step out of yourself for a little bit and also look at you from an outsider's perspective. Like, look at you, look at yourself the way you look at your friends. Like, when you see your friends laughing and and having a great time or even crying or whatever it may be. And, I mean, I know I look at my friends and just think, like, you are so wonderful and you are so beautiful at every, at every point, not, not when you're, like, all, you know, doled up or whatever. And so I think well, if you start looking at yourself how you look at other people... Um, I think that really helps. Yeah, that that would be my advice. I don't know if you could answer that in like any more of a powerful way. <laughs> it's so true. Oh yeah, oh, it's so so true. I think yeah. Oh, we we get so it's almost like we're we're more um, we're meaner to ourselves than we are to other people. Like we treat other people better than we do ourselves, and it's so important to remember that you know, we don't notice our friends' flaws, so why should we notice them on ourselves? Yeah, completely, completely. Um, Okay, so we're kind of, we're coming down to, like, the end of the questions that I had, which is crazy. Um, So at the end of all of the podcasts... These have been such good questions, by the way. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Thank you. Um, I'm trying. (laughs) I'm new to this. I'm trying my best. I still feel like... I have no idea where this podcast is going, but we'll see. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I love it already. So you're doing amazing. Oh, thank you. Um, so at the end of all of them, I kind of want to wrap up with these two questions that speak to the podcast's um, goals, which is I've you know I've created this this platform to be able to talk to people who are creating change and being change and creating something beautiful in this world and while at the same time inspiring other people to be their best self and to go out and be fearless so and I think it's especially important uh, you know among women as well so the first question that I want to that I want to get to as a wrap-up question, is what's your favorite thing about being part of this, like, feminine, collective, female energy thing that us women are so lucky to be a part of? That's a hard question Ooh, as well. I would say, <laughs> no, yeah, another great question, though. Um, I would say, like, this sisterhood we get to be a part of. I feel like just, like, when women meet women, there's, like, this instant connection and instant love and respect for one another. 
and I definitely feel it with um, with friends of mine. Is it's just such such a comforting open space where you feel like you can chat to your um, to your girlfriends about anything, and and there's no judgment, and there's no yeah, you just don't feel scared to say anything, and I feel like that's such a beautiful thing, and I. And from growing up with four brothers, I feel like I always was surrounded by boys growing up with their friends and whoever. And I just feel like boys don't have that to the same extent. So I think definitely, yeah, this sisterhood where we are all born into um, is just amazing. And I feel, yeah, I feel so lucky to be a part of that. So, yeah, that's what I would say. Almost backtrack. I feel like we should have talked about that. What was it like growing up? You had three brothers? Um, Four. Four Four brothers. brothers. (laughs) That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> did you feel outnumbered? Yeah, at so um, I did feel a bit outnumbered, but um, but it it my mum and I are very close because of that. Um, my parents really wanted a girl, so literally because all my brothers are older than me. Ah, um, okay. They probably would have stopped at like four, but but they really wanted a girl. That's why they had so many. Um, so my mum and I are incredibly close, and um, and my dad and I as well. Um. And I, and I actually loved, I loved growing up with brothers because I think, um, because I never had a sister, I, I didn't grow up bitching about anyone. I didn't grow up with this like competition amongst girls, which I feel that a lot of my friends with sisters definitely experienced growing up. There was always that competitive nature amongst sisters. Um, and I just never had that. And that's why I've always had such a healthy relationship with my friends is because, not at any point did I think to be competitive with them or think to, to bitch about them. Um, and and also my brothers are great. I was very lucky with, with the brothers I got. So they're all very kind and, um, and I'm very close with them. So, yeah, I was dealt a very good hand in that respect. That's so, awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I definitely feel like I always I – had, I had one sister growing up and I always – I almost envy people who grow up in, in big families because it's a very special experience, I think. There's there's a lot going on all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, in our house, there was always, like, ten people because we always had friends over. And so there was just – yeah, there was always people around. And also, I think what's really nice is when you have – if anything bad ever happens within a family, if there's lots of you, you know, that pain is shared, like a death of a grandparent or, or anything – um, you have all these people to that, that know what you're going through. Um, and so I feel like for myself, I definitely want to have a big family um, because I want my kids to have what I had. So, right. so, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I almost feel like this is kind of off topic, but something that I've been thinking about a lot lately is it's just it's so nice to live in sort of like a community, and you get that with a big family. Like you almost like you're, you're always surrounded by a bunch of people, and, and like you said, like you've all got shared – emotions and you all know what's going on and you're all tapping into this one common energy and it's just that's such a nice thing such a dream world (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely completely agree all right so we 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 diverged a little bit (laughs) from topic there but I'm just so curious (laughs) it sounds like such a fun time um so okay the last question that I want to wrap up with and I'm still not sure what the heck I want to call this but I think for now we'll call it wildly infinite acts after the name of the podcast wildly infinite um so a wildly infinite act to me is like this this piece of self-care or this piece of habit and ritual and and just connection to yourself that you feel like 
your life isn't together unless you're doing this one thing, like the one thing that preps you to be the best version of yourself. Do you have anything that you like to keep in your daily routine that's your wildly infinite act? Yeah, um, I would say, particularly if I'm feeling a little bit off or stressed or anything, I always allocate myself the first two hours before the sun sets, and I'll go for a really, really long walk along the beach. Um, and I always find that is just the most, that just centers me so much, just hearing the sound of the waves and also watching that light change between those those two hours I think is just so stunning um so really I think because when you are feeling stressed I think it's so easy to kind of forget about the beauty of the wider world so um because you're so caught up in your like inner world so I feel like when I do that I really am able to just get out of my head and um and as I walk as well I don't listen to music or anything so I'm literally just like sorting through my thoughts and feelings and um yeah, so I think going for a really, really long walk, and I would do the same, like, if I'm in a city, like, when I'm in New York, I will often do that um, in Central Park, and then I'll go sit, there's this spot on the lake, um, whereas when it's, like, sunset, you get the reflection of this, uh, like, the skyline, like, reflects on the lake, and it's just, like, so beautiful, so I would do, like, a very, very long walk, and then go sit there, and watch the sunset, and, um, yeah, and I always just feel so calm after that, so that would be my number one piece of self-care. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. I need to start doing that, honestly. <laughs> that's all I can do. It, right it is the best. <laughs> um, right, well, that's... And it's free as well, which is great. So totally, totally true. Um, so that's all the questions that I that I have written down. This is wild. I that was believe. amazing. <laughs> this was really fun. I'm really you're the first interview that I've ever been able to record, and I'm so so grateful for this experience. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for thank you for asking me to do it. Yeah, it was so fun, and also it was great because it got me to think about things that I wouldn't really often think about. So, um, yeah, they're fantastic questions. So, good work. Oh, thank you. Well, this was really fun. <laughs> um, I think that's yep. it. So, um, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And that that do you have any closing words that you wanna you wanna throw in there? Oh, in closing words. Um, final final words or famous last words. <laughs> famous last words. Um, okay, I literally can't think of anything, but um, no, nothing's coming to my head. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> well, I hope that everybody listening really enjoyed this conversation. Gabby is incredible. And where can they find you? On Instagram? Uh, where else? Through your blog, right? Yeah, so on Instagram, it's just Gabby Mulder, um, so G-A-B-I-M-U-L-D-E-R, and then I have my travel blog as well, which is oakenbone.com, um, and yeah, all the links are on my Instagram. I'll link all of those in the show notes as well, so you guys can go along and click and just follow easily. Um, Perfect. So, awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. No, thank you for being here. This was so fun. <laughs> hope you guys enjoyed this little conversation I had with Gabby. Of course, you can find her on Instagram at Gabby Mulder, G-A-B-I-M-U-L-D-E-R, and on her blog, oakandbone.com, I believe it is. And I'll have those both linked in the show notes as well, like I said in the episode. 
Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I'm sorry. I was a little frantically frazzled. I don't necessarily plan on doing a lot of phone interviews. Some guests are very worth it, but I really want to emphasize human connection in this episode, in this podcast. And I just think that having meaningful connections in person is something that we're, we're lacking these days. And sort of the vibe is definitely different when it's a phone interview, as opposed to a in-person interview, maybe highly likely the reasoning for that would just be because I'm a very socially awkward person and it's easier to do so in person than it is on the phone. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of, my, my goal for this is to do mostly in-person interviews. So if you were wondering, I know I've had a few people, uh, reach out to me or ask me questions about stuff like that. And yeah, um, that's just my preference. So I'm going to stick to my guns on this and hopefully one day I will be able to afford to, to get to locations and meet with cool people and interesting people. But for right now, this is kind of my vibe and my creative direction, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Don't forget that you can let me know what you thought about it by commenting on the podcast's Instagram, which is at intentional underscore 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 living. That's intentional living, but with three underscores in between because Instagram is very saturated in 2018 and all the Instagram handles are taken. <laughs> so yeah, you can leave a comment on the Instagram. Let me know what you thought about the episode. Don't forget that you can also go ahead and give it a review on iTunes. That would mean a lot to me. And you can share it with a friend, which would mean even more to me. And um, I hope you're all having a wonderful, fantastic, and amazing day. And I will talk to you guys in the next episode. Remember to stay happy, humble, and forever compassionate. Bye, guys. Bye.